Welcome to the Style Free Podcast, where a father and son detail and digress on a wide variety of topics within music, art, family, and culture. Your hosts are Professor Stephen J. Tyson Sr. and Jr., also known as Dad and Papa. Today's episode, we dive into the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind, and Fire, ahead of their upcoming Versus battle hosted by Triller. So I know right. we got the Isley Brothers versus Earth, Wind, and Fire versus coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, oh, that's really Sunday. exciting. I love that, you know, veterans in the game are getting attention. And, and it's also shining a light on not only their contributions, but also their continuing impact in music and the culture, even to this day. Yeah, so, yeah, so, definitely. But those those particular groups are, are are really iconic, and and they're different. They're not, you know, even though they came out of, I mean, they're. Well, let's take a moment here because uh, the Isley Brothers had their first hit, you know, in 1959. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were. I mean, they were they were teenagers. <laughs> right. They were teenagers. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Whereas Maurice White, I guess first big break was with Ramsey Lewis, mm-hmm. you know, in the 60s. But he was gigging around with a lot of guys. Maurice originally comes out of uh, Memphis. The Isley Brothers originally come out of um, uh, Cincinnati. Oh, I thought you Maurice know? came from Chicago. I didn't know he came from Memphis. He came. He was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Wow. He was raised by his grandmother. His mother moved out from Memphis at one point. And, because, and and married a guy uh, uh, named Verdine. <laughs> yeah, Verdine Adams. So Verdine at some point changed his name to White to align with his brother, I guess. Mm. But but the but his fault. But he's a, essentially a junior. But he's Verdine, and so he's the he's the product of 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 Verdine, the the who was a I believe he was a a medical doctor or a dentist or something like that. And Maurice's father was someone else. That's why they're 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 brothers, but you know they have different fathers. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, then at a certain point, Maurice is is hanging out with uh, some of his buddies like Booker T, Booker T Jones, Booker T and the MGs, right? Yeah. David Porter, you know, who would work with um, you know a lot of guys at Stacks like Isaac Hayes and and mm-hmm. and others. He played in the in the in the um, in the marching band as a drummer. So, so the drum, the rhythm, the beat, you know, the cadence, you know, mm-hmm. boom, 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 you know, that, that's there. Whereas the Isley Brothers are coming out of a different milieu in a sense, you know, I mean, very heavily. Well, Maurice was influenced by the church, you know, as many R&B singers in those days were coming out of the church and uh, the Isley Brothers as well. There are originally five uh, of them, uh, mm-hmm. I believe. There was O'Kelly who became like the manager of the group. Then you have um, Rudolph, who's kind of like, the <laughs> almost called him the enforcer. No, he had a certain presence, a certain persona that, um, at least from the album covers, looked like the cat that's keeping things in check. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you had um, Ernie. You know, Ernie was real young at the time, so he, he didn't jump on the scene until the 60s. I think it was oh, okay. um, It's Your Thing, you know, in 69, <laughs> right? And, and when they do the battle thing, uh, in this versus thing coming up, it'll be interesting to see like where they start. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, are the Isley Brothers going to put Shout in there? You know, just to show their longevity because that was a huge, huge yeah, hit. They have you to. Yeah, 
That now that's go. That's that, that song is eternal. <laughs> you know it's going to be at weddings and you yeah. know big events yeah. and stuff like that, right? Unless people play that the 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 cover done by the white guy. I don't know who what, what the white guy's name was. Oh man, there's I a few know. different like covers of it too. But yeah. oh okay, but the Ozzy Brothers is the <laughs> yeah. And so the so the Isley Brothers now they're coming out of Cincinnati. You uh, they they're going to New York. You know, as teenagers. I mean, teenagers in New York. You know, skyscrapers and everything. Mm-hmm. And now Vernon was supposed to go with them, but he was unfortunate. I think he was killed in a bicycle accident. So oh, Vernon wow. was part of the original Isley Brothers. So it's the three of them: uh, O'Kelly, Rudolph, and um, Mr. Biggs. Ronald. Thank you. the lead <laughs> yeah 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 now no but now if there's also a matchup between the the singing styles of maurice white or philip bailey mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know because they they kind of a tag team i mean you know maurice originally didn't want to be singing he wanted to be kind of in the background mm. orchestrating and doing the stuff but ronald was always the the kind of lead guy the main guy yeah. The only one you have that 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 has a presence, you know, particularly in the more well-known Isley Brothers songs in the, you know, from the late 60s, in, well, really into the early 70s is Ernie mm-hmm. with the guitar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's anything that's really comparable. I mean, Earth, Wind and Fire had some great guitarists from Roland Bautista, mm-hmm. who I think was was first. Then you had Johnny Graham and Al McKay doing the rhythm guitar, and of course, Verdine on the bass, that iconic bass. And the producer for the classic 70s Earth, Wind & Fire was Charles Stepney. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Charles Stepney is somebody that a lot of people really, you know, have slept on. They don't really know about Charles Stepney or what he did with Minnie Ripperton and Rotary Connection, Mm -hmm. you know, again, coming out of Chess Records, because Maurice was a session musician for Chess Records. You know, Marshall Chess and, and, and all these guys that set that up in Chicago. All the blues guys played in there. I mean, Muddy Waters and, you know, you name it. I mean, whoever was coming through Chicago, they were at Chess Records. Yeah. Then you also have people like Fontella Bass, a song called Rescue Me. I want to that was Charles Stepney, too? That was, no, that was, um, I don't know that that was Charles Stepney, but I know it was definitely Maurice White on the drums. Oh, wow. In that song. Right. Uh, Billy Stewart was another popular singer, kind of heavy set guy. And um, he said, uh, sitting in the park, you know, sitting in the park. Waiting oh, park. yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, that that's like, Maurice yeah. White also on the drum. OK, <laughs> that's incredible. So he's playing with all of these guys. And, yeah. and, and some of the Motown cats are moonlighting. In the in the sixties, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to Barry Gordy, you know, because they're trying to get some extra gigs going, and they would come from Detroit into Chicago and play on some of the sessions back then. Wow! Then you have the influences of um, black consciousness, African consciousness, and so forth taking place in Chicago. You know, a lot of experimental uh, jazz groups and things. The Art Ensemble of Chicago, uh, among you know others, and they had an influence on Maurice too you know, helped him to learn about playing the kalimba. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ramsey also, you know, had an influence in, in Maurice because Maurice was the drummer following the original Ramsey Lewis trio after Red Red Holt um, Unlimited. Was it, that was, um, trying to remember the name of the guys in, in that group. But Red Holt Unlimited was an offshoot. They had a big hit back in the 60s. Um, 
Ba 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 ba. Da 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 da. Yeah, I mean that was that was the jam. You know, I'm talking about like 66, 67, you know, around that that period of time. So when they left Ramsey Lewis, Maurice stepped in and he filled the drum chair. But some of the stuff they were doing, that's when he got connected up also with Charles Stepney, was also producing some of Ramsey's uh stuff. Mm. See the thing about Charles Stepney is that he brings this 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 symphonic orchestral quality. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 very spatial. Yeah. You know, a lot of his works, the orchestration. You know, it's very. You know, that's where the classical influence comes from in a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire. He was sort of some people kind of call him like the George Martin. Oh, you know, of Earth, Wind, uh, and Fire. Yeah, for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. You know, because because when George Martin was working with the BBC. You know, in England, he's bringing his knowledge and arranging orchestration and classical mm-hmm. stuff to the Beatles. And that took their stuff. They did know. the cover of Shout, by the way. That's who I was thinking of, the Beatles. <laughs> I said the white guy. Yeah, the Beatles, they did a cover of Shout. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I know they did uh, uh, um, Twist and Shout. They did that too. Yeah. Okay, okay, yep. <laughs> okay. And that's another thing, the twist. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but the twist, you know, you think about uh, people like Hank Ballard. Mm-hmm. Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. They're the ones that brought the twist, but yeah. they didn't, it didn't take off with them. It took off with a guy who became known as Chubby Checker from Philadelphia. <laughs> and, then, and then there's all kinds of variations of the twist. But I was listening to a song the other day off of one of my favorite albums uh, from James Brown. 1974. Mm-hmm. It's called Reality. Mm-hmm. And on, on that album is a song called The Twist. Mm-hmm. And, and when you first hear it, it's like, come on, baby, do the twist. And it goes like this, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, cool. Yeah, but when it keeps going, as it goes, it gets in, it locks into this, this groove. And it just, it just, I don't know, it just was. I love that. I love that album. I used to play that album all the time mm-hmm. uh, when I was at RISD, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, we can talk about James Brown and his uh, <laughs> 70 work at some other point. Yeah, as far as like the Isley Brothers are concerned, even thinking about them in comparison to Earth, Wind and & Fire, and you were even talking about Maurice being a session drummer, and even prior to his creating Earth, Wind & Fire, mm-hmm. you know, the Isleys had already been gone for a decade or so at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even thinking about this upcoming challenge, so to speak, like my initial thought, thinking about my experience with both of their catalogs, like I know the Osleys is robust and there's a lot of hits and classics in there. I, my initial reaction is like, well, Earth and Fire is going to win this. The catalog is just too deep whenever it goes to the amount of songs that have changed I'll just speak for myself that have changed my life. And then that goes back to songs that came a couple years before I was born, like let's groove and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. We're going, you know, to the decade before I was born with Boogie Wonderland and classic songs, you know, that's the way of the world, all these hits and and this music that I grew up on. Mm -hmm. And I also grew up through you and through mom and, you know, the radio, et cetera, like the Osley brothers and stuff too. Mm -hmm. But it feels as though Earth, Wind & Fire also kept it going a bit more through the 80s and through the 90s than mm-hmm. the Isley Brothers did. And then the Isley Brothers had that resurgence when, when R. Kelly ended up connecting and, and writing some songs uh, yeah. for Ronald Isley. And that gave them a bit more of a resurgence. But I mean, overall, like my thought was like Earth, Wind & Fire is going to be the one that ends up 
winning, but it's a, it's a, it's a win-win for both groups because the whole world is going to be exposed to so much of their catalogs. That's true. That's true. Like I said before, if they start where they started, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hit-wise in 1959, uh, and then they went to Motown for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that didn't last too long. You know, they really needed to find their own um, sound. They were doing the Holland Dozier Holland mm-hmm. thing there. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. was not until they created their own record label, Teaneck Records. We're living out in Teaneck, New Jersey, where I think that may have been where uh, Jimi Hendrix, you know, was staying over with them for a while. Yeah, Teaneck also was distributing some of the first recordings of Jimi. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, that's when they really started, you know, taking off, you know, and It's Your Thing was, was like a huge breakthrough. 1969, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember when it came out. I remember <laughs> very well that, I mean, people were playing that song in school, in the schoolyard, in the, in the, in the street. It was just great. It was unbelievable. That was like, yes, it was like, yes. <laughs> and it just hit so hard, you know? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and then, and then they got into, um, you know, their own thing even further, you know, in the early seventies, I, th- I, I want to say that the classic Isley brothers albums, now they may not be everybody's taste, Mm-hmm. The thing I liked about the Isleys from the three plus three album. Uh, that was their first through, platinum album. Okay. Okay. And then live it up with songs like Brown Eyed Girl, Hello, It's Me. They're taking pop songs, you know, songwriters yeah. music, you know, sort of folk pop type music. And they're giving it that, that gospel feel. And he's, you know, Ronald is putting his, his stamp, and all music that you might consider. I mean, Seals and Crofts, you know, great songwriters and everything, but they bring a different kind of feel to it. What the Isley Brothers do is then they take it to another another level. Is it because they're able to do it themselves too? Like yeah. And write the things themselves? Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing all of that stuff initially themselves. And they were a self-contained unit. And But the thing is, is that then, now this is where it probably gets a little controversial they were doing a lot of the songwriting, their own songwriting stuff. And, and by this time, they also have Chris Jasper from Isley Jasper Isley. That's during the time that they started falling off a bit. They weren't getting that shine. So they split, kind of split up and created a separate group. It's sort of like Belle Biv DeVoe. Like they never like left per se, but, but then they did break off and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. I think eventually they came back again. Is that before we, or after Between the Sheets? Well, this was after Between the Sheets. Which was in 83. But it was not really until, in my opinion, until uh, Mission to Please came out that they really took off again. And that's where the, the Mr. Biggs persona mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. came off. And that's not until 1996. Because I remember when that album came out. And that's crazy, too. Like, here you are at 13 remembering when It's Your Thing comes out. And mm-hmm. here I am at 11, remembering when <laughs> Mr. Biggs and, and Mission to Please comes out. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's very interesting. And then, you know, with that, with the, with the R. Kelly song with Contagious, I'm 16 at that point. Mm-hmm. So here mm-hmm. we both are teenagers appreciating music from the Isley yeah. Brothers. From the Isley Brothers. In, Generation. In, in our moments and not listening to anything in the past. It's like in the moment, relevant to our times. Yeah, both of us as teenagers have had the Isley Brothers be influential musically in some way, 
and that's almost 30 years difference. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's incredible. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I and I feel like I can say something similar. So this is where the Isleys do have one up on Earth, Wind and Fire when it comes to that relevancy in more recent times, even though 96 is now 25 years ago. Mm. But the, like Earth, Wind and Fire didn't have that top 25 radio hit in 1996, 97, 98, 9, 2001, 5, 10, 15, none of that. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so it feels like when it comes to a bit more of like relevancy for folks who might be teenagers or in their 20s and stuff now, mm-hmm. that the Osley brothers might be a little more, and also because thinking about how much, how many people have sampled, you know, a song like Between the Sheets. It's been mm-hmm. sampled almost 200 times, just according to whosampled.com. Yeah, And, you know, when, when that one song alone has influenced generations upon generations mm-hmm. and there is a bigger influence than, let's say, Earth, Wind and Fire September, which we hear every September. We That's hear right. in all these commercials. We hear mm-hmm. everywhere. But yeah. between the sheets, you also hear it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really interesting matchup that they have going against one another yeah yeah you also said something about you know its relevancy Mm -hmm. uh and i'm thinking earth wind and fire you know they tried to connect up with the boys and uh on the heritage album the heritage album 1990 and they also had mc hammer on that album too that's what i'm saying hammer well mc hammer yeah yeah so that's like and and sly stone yep yep you know so they, they and I appreciated the effort and everything, and of course I like the interludes and all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which goes back, I think, to to Charles Stepney again, mm-hmm. you know, and the classical influence from from what uh, Maurice wrote to me about mm-hmm. um, in terms of the the interludes. But uh, then you have the Isley Brothers connecting up, like when when Ronald Isley did uh, Mister I, uh, I think it was around two thousand ten or eleven. Mm. Uh, it was an album or a song? It's an album. Oh, wow. It's an album. And on there is T.I. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh-huh. he's doing uh, uh, Put Your put your, put your your Money on Me is the name of the song, which I thought was a great, a great song. And then T.I. was supposed to be on the video. The video is supposed to be made for that. Uh, but somehow it didn't work out. I don't know if it's because T.I. had some issues or whether it had to do with the um, tax stuff that Ronald Isley had been going through mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. what have you. You know, I I don't know. But it makes me think about, um, you know, what other song, like, will Isley, Jasper Isley songs be included in the verses? Will Ronald Mm. Isley's solo material be included in the verses? Will Maurice or Philip's solo material be included in the verses? Oh, man. What, what? So, but yeah, so here, let me, I I just found that uh, (laughs) the Ronald Isley featuring T.I. Put Your Money On Me. So here, let me play that real quick. and then we'll. I love this song. That was really good. I haven't heard that before. Is that right? <laughs> that was surprised. Like I was, yeah, like surprised at how good that song was. Like no shade to Ronald Isley or Ti or, anything, yeah. but but yeah, that song was much better than I had expected. <laughs> uh, that was yeah, that was good. Yeah. So I mean, so, like if a song like that is included in the verses, that Earth Wind and Fire is up for some trouble. Like, <laughs> well, you know now now. Now, in a contemporary sense, then uh, maybe a couple of years after that, I think the um, Earth, Wind & Fire came out with their recording. It was the last one that Maurice put his stamp of approval on, and that was the... um, uh, Avatar? 
No, 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 no. The the one that they came out with, um, 2014? Illumination? No, no, no. That was in like 2005 or so, 2000. Uh, mm. Now, then, and forever. Yeah, now, then, and forever. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. That one has a sign on. Which I think speaks to now in a way. Sign on for, for things that are right, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to make what's right our way of life, you know, sign mm-hmm. on. So I think that, that 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 spirit is not necessarily something you're going to hear on a on an Isley Brothers, you know, more recent song. You know, right. a lot of their thing had to do with sort of romance and, you know, right. whereas in when you start to fight the power, you know, it's like, okay, fight the power, got that, 1975 or so, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have 1976, um, Harvest for the World, which is... That and At Your Best, I think, are my favorite songs. On, I mean, there's a lot of great songs on there. But yeah. that and At Your Best, you know, my favorites on uh, the Isley Brothers. But, you know, after that, you start not hearing as much of those kinds of social consciousness songs coming into the eyes. It's mostly, you know, between the sheets and, you know, romance mm-hmm. and yeah. relationships kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas Earth, Wind & Fire... Yes, you had uh, uh, songs that that kind of deal with social consciousness. Uh, you know, you could say Saturday Night in a way is uh, 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 an example of that from the Spirit album. Mm. You, know, you know, what you're going to do when the night is through and the crowd is gone and your dream is too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so just partying and having fun and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But, you know, wait a minute. And at the same time, you have Gamble and Huff with their motto, understand while you dance. In fact, Gamble and Huff really had a lot of social conscious music yeah. coming out of Philadelphia. You know, that's why, I, yeah. oh man, that, that's a whole other conversation, you know, Gamble and Huff, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody. And that meant that they had an album that I still have. Um, it's called uh, Let's... Uh, Clean Up the Ghetto. I think that was the name of the album. And so it had different kinds of songs, had everybody practically on the roster, you know, from Lou Rawls and uh, the um, Teddy Pendergrass and, you know, the Blue Notes and, you know. Yeah, I do remember that album, too, because I remember I remember you telling me about it and I'm playing it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah International yeah. All-Stars. That, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You hear some of that aspect in, in Earth, Wind & Fire, except they m- m- mostly, I think, because of Maurice, you know, it was like more spiritual kind of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the album covers spoke volumes, you know, in terms of ancient to the future, you know, kind of Afrofuturism. It's about higher consciousness. The album covers say that also, like in the Powerlight album, where you have the figure standing sort yeah. of like uh, Leonardo da Vinci's drawing, Vitruvius Man, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. where you have the chakras, you know. The chakras going up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And which also connects up with, the, you know, serpentine fire. Right. Mm-hmm. With the Kundalini concept. Mm-hmm. So so it was more in that vein that they would speak to how you can, you know, uplift yourself. You know, not so much the world, you know, I'm against this, I'm against war, I'm against, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas, again, I'm sort of dipping back into uh, Gamble and Huff, but I'm thinking of the uh, Man of War mm-hmm. by the uh, Jacksons. And, uh, you know, that that kind of consciousness you know you think you can go to other people's invade other people's lands and things and take over you know that that sort of thing you yeah. know that's more explicit that's taking a position that's not about 
um, well, I can be a better person. I can rise up and take care of, you know, if I can improve self, you know, that self aid, then I'll do what I have to do, but they don't tell you what you should be doing, but, but, but shining a light on it, on the issues. That's what you hear coming out of song like man of war. And I, and I remember talking with, um, Marlon Jackson about that. And uh, he said that uh, that was one of their most important songs. And I think you, you just don't hear it. It doesn't get, doesn't yeah, get of a lot not. of play. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's powerful. Thinking about the impact of, you know, moving forward of something like this versus could do for both the Isleys and, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire. Like, I mean, I didn't even recall. Like, I, it had felt that Maurice had passed away more than just five years ago. Like, mm. I, like and, and I don't know if that's also because of his diagnosis and kind of how he felt a lot more behind the scenes uh, as Earth, Wind & Fire kept producing albums into the 2000s and, you know, through the 21st century and all. Mm. So then thinking about, you know, Ronald Isley, I mean, he's got to be, like, what is he, 80, 80? He'll be 80 this year. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... And Maurice, and Maurice would be 80 this year. Wow, wow. <laughs> they both born in 1941. Yeah. So like the legacies of these groups, I mean, it seems, you know, for the Isley's sake that it will always live on through sampling, whether it's Between the Sheets or, you know, any of the other songs in their catalog. It doesn't like Earth, Wind & Fire gets sampled heavily, too. Maybe not so much as frequently as a song like Between the Sheets. But, you know, just thinking about, you know, the opportunity of kind of carrying these groups forward. I mean, I don't want to throw a label saying it's, you know, that they're going to be like a new classical music down the line, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now. But to say that they will, they, they, you know, will not or won't or do not have influence on the music that's yet to come is short-sighted. So oh, yeah. I'm just thinking about, I don't know, like where do you see, you know, something like this versus being beneficial to groups like the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind and & Fire uh, and others who people might not know as much about outside of, four, five, maybe 10, uh, you know, hit songs that each of the groups have done. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that um, situations like this and, and uh, you know, DJ Cassidy, mm. you know, bringing attention to classic R&B and so forth, uh, as well as rap to mm. some extent, is um, it's good for the culture in general. You know, it's good for America. It's good for the world to be reminded of quality, a certain standard, and um, and also the the information that 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 the music carries sonically, but also lyrically, mm-hmm. it also creates a um, a bridge, a connection to today. Yeah. So that people who maybe never heard of them, or or maybe you heard one or two songs, that they can they can see where maybe not not explicitly, but 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 sort of subconsciously they can begin to see the connections between what they enjoy today and say, wait a minute. Oh, well, actually they were doing it then. Oh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, that's where that groove comes from. Oh, you know, I I didn't think about that. You know, it's interesting to hear how uh, Taylor Swift will do her version of September. Yeah. In a completely different way. And uh, at first, you know, you're saying like, da, 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 da. yeah, yeah, anthem, anthem, you know, on the floor and everything, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, that's not how it goes, you know. <laughs> but then when you step back 
and you listen to it for what it is mm-hmm. that there there there's um there's sincerity in it i think and there's a nod mm-hmm. and and people should be free to 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 bring what they bring to it yeah you know what i mean it's another link it's another connection now if you want to go back and you want to hear the original yeah by all means i mean hands down it's classic the groove al mckay and all those guys who put this stuff together, you know, just riffing and practicing. Hey, man, what's that groove you're doing? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know. Then, then go for it. That's what I say. So I don't have any, I don't have any problem with it now. But at first, I was like, "Come on, what?" <laughs> right, right. But I'm, it's all good. It's all good. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, to to answer your question, I think that 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 the younger generation will hear more and then think about how they can take that somewhere. But I think it's also important. Papo, that that people acknowledge acknowledge the antecedents, the ones mm-hmm. who came before, that they know what the connections are. Mm-hmm, see? Mm-hmm. Like we were talking before about the Beatles, you know, jumping out and uh, doing, you know, like you say, shout or you know, twist and shout and 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 arm the Rolling Stones, you know, they get their name from Muddy Waters, you know, uh, song. I mean, all these guys, the Yardbirds, the, all the British groups, they did, weren't shy about saying Chuck Berry. Yeah. Little Richard. Yeah. Big Bill Brunsey. Yeah. Muddy Waters. You know, that kind of thing. And I think that that's important that people understand the roots and acknowledge, you know, the people who created yeah. the music. Now, everybody brings their thing to it. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a beautiful thing. That's what, you know, a country is made of a fabric of different things globally, you know. You know, when Jay-Z started using those samples of Indian music. Okay, so so he can do that because he's not, you know, East Indian or or you can't have somebody playing um, the, the uh, djembe, you know, mm-hmm. in music uh, because you're not from Africa or, mm-hmm. you know, like who has a right to this music? You know, that gets into the whole territory. Creation and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, because we live in a capitalist society, you know, the idea of monetizing this and that and the other, you know, that gets into the whole sampling debate or, or that situation with, um, you know, with Justin and, and Pharrell with Marvin Gaye's estate. Oh, that was, that was, no, it wasn't Justin. It was uh, Robin oh, not Thicke Justin. and Pharrell. Yeah, Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke. That, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. Robin Thicke. Yeah. 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 Where you it's know? like, yeah, it's, it, they emulate, well, I shouldn't say they, specifically Pharrell emulated the feel of a song so much <laughs> that they said you can't do. That. I mean, <laughs> it's well, wild. also, but it was also the cadence, you know. <laughs> but how many songs have that cadence? Well, that that gets into a whole right, you know, right, can, right, right, can, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you copyright a beat, <laughs> a rhythm, mm-hmm. right, a melody, or can you copyright a feeling? It was ultimately what the court case right. ended up being around. Because musically, the notes are different. It's in a different key. Like, there's there's the thing that aligns between Marvin and what Pharrell did was that mm-hmm. the feeling is identical. It's, it's pretty much identical. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> in terms of how they approach the, the context of the, the energy rhythm. of the song, the rhythm, the 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 emotion of the song, the purpose of the song. Right. But but I have to I, I come back to the rhythm. Because that's like the motor that drives the song. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
and it's nuanced by the attack and you know how the vocalist you know comes in or where they yeah, yeah. you know and that sort of thing but that's where the two kind of align like real close man you know it's like and that makes me think about um the Isley brothers you're talking about caravan of love um well, the Isley Jasper Isley uh, the Isley Jasper Isley song caravan of love and how that has an alignment or it gives you the feeling um, with the the um, was it Gregory Isaac's song? No, no, no. Um, Greg, that's uh, you're thinking Not of the Greg reggae Isaac. guy. Um, yeah, Gregory Abbott. Gregory Abbott, shaking down. down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, right. Those two songs, they're the feeling of both of those are. You can sing one right with the other, <laughs> but is it the same song? Did one sample the other? Like no, like they didn't. So like the Isley Brothers have had their own. I mean, it didn't obviously get to a court case and become a public thing like Pharrell, you know, with Marvin Gaye. Yeah. But Gregory Isaacs with the Isley Brothers, or I keep saying Gregory, Gregory Abbott, Gregory Abbott yeah. <laughs> with the Isley Brothers, you know, they, 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 I would say that's a comparable comparison to Pharrell mm-hmm. and Marvin Gaye. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there would be a case there too if it was... <laughs> <laughs> now see what we started <laughs> now Gregory Abbott's gonna be like nah <laughs> shut up <laughs> actually I think I think it would be Isley Jasper Isley you know yeah hey, true, man, true. Well, I want to get paid here you know what's going on you know? he's like wait a minute that was 36 years ago or right. 35 years ago you know I said nah man I want to get paid you know come on <laughs> yep, man, yep. You know? but you know they say that imitation is the highest form of flattery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In one context, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, wow, I'm inspired by what Picasso painted or his style. So, yeah. so you're going to say, oh, I can't paint in a cubistic style because Picasso and Brock mm-hmm, invented mm-hmm. that, or or Picasso or or Cezanne. Can you imagine Cezanne saying to Picasso, "Nah, you can't um, do that." Uh, you know, I want to get paid because you're using, <laughs> you know, my sense of volume and, and spatial uh, uh, depth, you know, in your work, yeah. which led up to cubism or or somebody from Gabon among the Fang ethnic group, you mm-hmm. know, looking at a painting by Picasso and saying, wait a minute. That's one of those all masks that you have in there. <laughs> right, know, right, right, right. That's part of our cultural heritage. Yeah. You so like, yeah, how far does, like, how how wide does it expand or how deep does that rabbit hole go? Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. That's you know, but 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 we know that that people have always been influenced, you mm-hmm. know, by others, inspired by others. And, and mm-hmm. in fact, Maurice White has often talked about that the most important thing is to inspire. Right. To inspire, whether it's being better people or musically, creatively, all of those sorts of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so where do you where where do you make that that line? I mean, I loved what Keith and Hank Shockley and the Bomb Squad were doing, you know, with Terminator X and all those guys, mm-hmm. you know, when they were putting that mashing up all those different songs. And then you had some of the rock groups, I think it was the Turtles and some others, you know, said, mm-hmm. wait a minute. That little that little snippet right there. What you mean? You mean that microsecond? Yeah, yeah, right there. <laughs> you know? yep, that, like, that was us, and we need to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so, so then you know, then then groups started paying them in advance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, clearance. Mm-hmm. Right. And now we have programs and and platforms like Tracklib, where it mm-hmm. just gives you 
like you have the opportunity to search just catalogs of songs in existence. And mm-hmm. if you want to sample any pieces of that, it will allow you to credit the original artist and allow that original artist to either get a certain percentage or however you end up mm-hmm. dictating the terms, but mm-hmm. or how should I just say they end up dictating the terms, yeah. but you know, you end up being able to then sample and use uh, music that pr- previously would have led to court dates and lawsuits and things of that nature. So, you know, it'd be interesting when we talk about Michael Jackson owning the ATV catalog. Used to because yeah, it, no, no, no I know, I know. Yeah, that's a whole. And you, and you just heard what happened. You know, just it just was going on within the last year. ATV and Sony Publishing is buying up everyone, like between them and Hypnosis, they're buying up everybody's rights to their songs. They See, Paul Simon just sold his to Sony. And 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 that was never supposed to leave the Jackson family. Trust that was the leg- that was the legacy. That was his legacy for, and they sold that off back to Sony a few years ago for, for, seven, for nothing for right? less than a, for less than a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, it was seven hundred and fifty million or something like that. So how important is legacy it, it, it versus this? Okay, we got that. What does that translate into? What? How can you leverage that this into? legacy i mean what's mm-hmm. or, or are you doing other things are you saying well we're going to take that billion dollars and we're going to put that into community development investment mm-hmm. in job uh manufacturing or or, or training or voting rights uh, y- you know what i mean it's a it's a that's a whole other conversation but i, I want to get back to so i was thinking wouldn't that be something if one of these billionaire rappers you know they they bought up some classical music mm. You know, catalogs, right? Isn't that most of that in the public domain now? Well, that that I don't know. I don't know. It depends on on what recording. True. Yeah. Might have been, which is an interesting point because if if you're if you're listening to, let's say the Turtles, mm-hmm. they're saying, wait a minute, we do Happy Together or something like that, and we heard it. They sampled that, but the but the but the oboe part in the song came from a classical music piece. Does, is that is that in the public domain or do they do they owe something to the <laughs> right, right, right. recording that they came from, which is now owned by a rapper? So now we get the money back. Right, know? right, right. You know, I mean, I don't know. But you brought up a good point about public domain. So is there a shelf life to the Michael Jackson songs after a certain period of time? Mm-hmm. At what point do they become public domain? Mm-hmm. And 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 to what extent do does this deal with certain laws, you know, copyright laws? What influences copyright laws? Who are the legislators who come up and and influence or change the copyright laws? Yeah. How many of those people who write that legislation are are supported by certain corporations that have an interest in them not changing the laws or tilting the laws to their favor? Yeah. It's like when Michael Jackson, you know, was going through that lawsuit situation. I mean, being accused of Chalmers the second time. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they, from what I understand, some laws were changed that meant that if he lost the case, then he would have to forfeit over the catalog. And it, it, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was always yeah, and that's why he always felt like that was the end game for any of his opposition, so to speak. Was yeah, that they wanted his catalog and they wanted the rights to his music. I'm curious to see if to to know if he owned any of the Isley's music or Earth Wind and Fire's music or anything like that. No, he owned Little Richard's music. Yeah, and considering that music was the the, the Sony ATV catalog is so expansive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's quite had country. He had country music in there. He had too. Everything. He you had know, in addition to the Beatles. 
you know, yeah, like Eminem, Alicia Keys, Pink, mm-hmm. you know, just the, the list goes on and on and on from current artists to artists decades in the past. It's, you know, that catalog is extensive. So, you know, people got upset when Barry Gordy sold Motown. So it's going to be interesting to see the Isleys and uh, <laughs> Earth, Wind and Fire, you know, go yeah. at it. And uh, and and uh, again, as I said, I think it's really good for, for the culture you know, for for the, the for the country, for the globe, you know, to see two top shelf, you know, legacy artists going toe to toe with love, with love. Yeah, you know? yeah. Hosted oh, by uh, Steve Harvey. <laughs> oh, Steve Harvey. Yeah, he's he's gonna be hosting it. <laughs> That's a, and then you saw how he brought out the uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire when they got the uh, awards. The, um, oh wow! <laughs> did you see? Did you see no, that? No, I didn't. No, but that, that's cool. Achievement Awards. I think it was out. the NAACP Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh wow! And he, it, I think it was at, might have been at the Apollo. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. No, maybe not because it's California. I think it was California. But 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 he brought them out, and he brought them out right. He brought them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he would even be singing some of the songs. You mm-hmm. know, so, so yeah, it'll, like, be, it'll be interesting. But you know, er, uh, uh, Ronald's not going anywhere without Ernie. Right. So, you know, he's definitely going to be there. Marvin's dead. Rudolph is, you know, retired. Uh, he is a minister now. He's a minister. Uh, so he's not, I think he performed once with, with Ronald, like maybe 10 years or maybe close to 15 years ago on stage. Mm-hmm. They did shout, you know, together. <laughs> it was great to see them going, you know, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, uh, um, the Earth, Wind & Fire is still active. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's the it's the three of them. Ralph, Verdine, and Philip. Philip, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I could I could see easily see the five of them trading off, you know, spaced, <laughs> you know, Steve Harvey uh somewhere. But they'll probably do the the screen thing. Virtual, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Very much so. Yeah. And that's awesome. that's Sunday, right? Yep. Yep. Easter okay. Sunday. Anyway, thanks for uh this chat. You know, I know we could have gone more in depth than probably a lot of other areas as well, but yeah, no, nah, I mean, we've, we've got plenty more conversations to be had, and you know, we could di- always dive back into Earth, Wind, Fire, and the Osley Brothers at any time too. So, mm-hmm. one one thing I, I wanted to add, I, I meant to mention this before. Um, you talked about Philip Bailey and how he has gone off, you know, and had solo. He has mm-hmm. he has his own solo career. Mm-hmm. You know, going on. That's another area um, where the Isley Brothers. The the there's only one album I can think of where Ron Isley, you know, came out and did something completely separate from Isley Brothers. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and and that was the one called Isley Meets Bacharach. Oh so, yeah, Bert Bacharach. Songs like Alfie and Raindrops Keep Falling on My mm-hmm. Head and Make It Easy on Yourself and and you know it's got some great great songs on this. I remember I played this in the car one time. <laughs> you probably remember when we were going up to um, Canada. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was a long, long time long. ago. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he said he always wanted to, he met Burt Bacharach like early on, like in the early 60s or maybe late, they were doing some studio work. It might have been uh-huh. around the shout period of time or so. Uh-huh. But um they went and they just in passing. But later on, he said, I always wanted to sing Bacharach songs. So the ballads that, that Ron Isley sings and the way he delivers them, you know, it's true that Maurice White, 
you know, had one solo. Um, Stand by me. Yeah, yeah, with the with, with the Stand by Me song on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I thought that was name. I think it was yeah, I remember that Maurice song. White. Yeah, and had Stand. That's right, because that was a um, also a video, and it was like mm-hmm. the breakout song from that album. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of you know uh, uh, really good songs on on that on that recording as well and he also had the interludes you know in there which i thought was which was good um (laughs) but uh anyway um that's what i wanted to say is just the fact that um uh that these artists can also continue to grow in their own way Mm -hmm. you know because they then they bring something back fresh you know from their own personal growth Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and they have something new to contribute you know to the music yeah. Oh, one thing I also wanted to say was that when I talked about Charles Stepney, mm-hmm. you know, the the I was going to say before that the um, this might be a little controversial for some people in terms of how they value the Isley Brothers and the Isley Brothers sound, but it really um, Malcolm Cecil and Robert Margaleff, mm. the guys who produced the Isley Brothers on that recording, the three plus three and up through Harvest for the World, they, I don't think, uh, get enough credit for helping contributing to the sound of the Isley Brothers Mm -hmm. because they also contributed to the sound of Stevie Wonder because they Mm -hmm. also um, co-produced or, you know, arranged uh, some of that uh, music. When When he's doing Just Enough for the City, you yeah, know? yeah, and it sounds like a movie too. Right, right, right. That that whole you know, the sonic thing, right? Yeah. Da, 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 skyscrapers and everything. Yeah, you know? and 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 you know, Stevie was like, you know, is that a and so so at a certain point after he's gone through all this stuff in the city and in jail and all this stuff, then Stevie was going to sing it again. You know, he's and he said, no, 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 Stevie, no, 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 no. Because because I think it was Malcolm Cecil felt that there needed to be some more. And this guy's going through all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, <laughs> he said, so he said, he made Stevie Wonder sing it again. No, 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 Stevie, no. Again, again. He said, finally, he got to the point where Stevie was so pissed off. Yeah. He says, it's time to read. It's time to read. You know, he said, yeah, that's it. You know, and he got it. And I remember, um, I think Quincy Jones used to do that kind of technique too, uh-huh. you know, to get Michael to dig in a little more, you know, yeah. you know, do that. Now again, yeah, no, that's great. Great, great take. Okay, but can you do it just one more time? You know, just, you know. Just, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing about producers is that they ha- they're also, the best of them are also good psychologists. Mm-hmm. You know, they know how to work with the artists, but they know when to push them when to give them space yeah. just to, you know, do their thing. And that, that that's a skill. That, yeah. That's, yeah. Very much so. Awesome. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you, Pop.